generations, you have poured out your grace and goodness to undeserving people. And God, I thank you that you do so for your great glory and for our joy, and that the good news of your coming kingdom can go forth uh, throughout the world. So Lord, I thank you that you've gathered us this morning. I pray that you would encourage us through your word. Uh, God, that your Holy Spirit who inspired this scripture to be written uh, would open our minds to understand and open our hearts to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, that you would uh, call us all to repentance from sin and idols and uh, help us turn from uh, doubt and fear and guilt and to look to the beauty of Christ as our only salvation. And and Lord, I pray that you would do that, uh, God, in our midst today. So, Lord, we thank you. I pray that this time uh, would be used uh, for your glory and our joy. Thank you, in Christ's good name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." This is God's Word. Friends, we were created to run in grace. God gives us this grace in Christ that we may press on through life with grace. If you've been with us last week, you know that at the beginning of chapter 12, it starts with this great statement, Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So picking up as we continue through chapter 12 on running the race set before us, I like to run, so it's really easy to talk about running. Okay, have you ever gone running before? Or maybe a brisk walk. We'll start there. Um, I like to run to the point that uh, I've actually run in the rain. Have you ever, let's just talk about walking. If you're not a runner, think about walking. Have you ever walked in the rain? I'm not talking about like a torrential downpour, but I mean like a nice spring rain, right? No umbrella, just hand in hand with the love of your life, singing in the rain. You ever done that? If not, you should, okay? Uh, one of my favorite memories that I have uh, of running is, is with my wife. We, it was probably our second year of marriage, and we lived over in Hickman Arms Apartments behind the Partridge Inn, and we had found a house that we wanted to purchase, a little two-bedroom, one-bath house on Pennsylvania Avenue uh, near Daniel Village, right? We loved this cute little house, and so we made an offer on the house, and if you know what goes into buying a house, it takes a while. You need to put in your offer, and you have to wait for weeks for all these inspections. Well, we were kind of in that little limbo phase where we were waiting to secure the purchase of this house. And so my wife and I were going for a jog, going for a run, and we said, hey, why don't we, why don't we run from our apartment up to the house that we're about to buy? That'll be awesome. And so we ran up there, just all awesome and fun. It was a beautiful spring day, you know. Um, and we get uh, to the house, we walk around and say, this house is so cool, I love the house, it's great. On our way back to our apartment, the bottom dropped out, just, just 
just rain just pouring over us. It was heavy, thick drops of rain. I think there was maybe even a little thunder. And so we're running down Central Avenue, soaking wet, stomping in puddles, splashing water and mud on each other, cracking up. We get back to our apartment, and it was awesome. One of my favorite memories of running, because it was with my wife. It was running toward a goal of seeing our house, and lots of fun laughter and memories. And as I think about that story often, I think about it. It's a beautiful picture of the Christian life running in grace. Okay, God has created you to run in the rain. He's not created you to run when you feel like it or to run with an umbrella or if he's raining down grace upon your life, how often we say, you know what, I don't, I don't want to get wet, I'm just going to not run. I'm going to sit over here and wait for the rain to stop. Or maybe you say, I feel like running, but not in the rain, so I'm just going to take an umbrella and a little poncho so I won't get wet. You see, that's what happens in the Christian life so often as we say, you know, we don't want to get wet in the rain of God's grace. Now, in the context of chapter 12, we've seen that the writer is talking about running the race, laying aside every weight, every sin, keeping your eyes on Jesus and running forward. The author talks about discipline, which may be hard for a season. It may be like running in the rain where your, your shoes get heavy and it's getting hard to run and maybe you're splashing a little bit and slipping on the pavement. Discipline can be hard for a season, but at the end of the day, it's God's grace to you for your circumstances to be such that you are being disciplined as a son or daughter of God, right? We're to run forward in the reign of God's grace, and as we run, we are to let it soak us down to the bone, and we're to splash others along the way, but often we don't want to do it. We think running's all about me. I'm not going to splash anybody else. You know, this rain is my business, it's not yours, so I'm not going to splash you in the rain. So often we do not, we, we fail to enjoy what God has for us. And we see in verse 15, uh, the author of Hebrews says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Obtaining the grace of God. Now, I want us to be careful. We're going to piggyback off of that for the rest of the message this morning. Obtaining the grace of God. This does not mean you go get it. It's not something you acquire. It's not something you achieve. It's not something you earn. The word obtain there means uh, something that, it means uh, what the author is saying is be sure that no one is lacking in receiving grace. There's a difference. The author's not saying, hey, be sure you go out there and you get that grace that belongs to you. That grace that you earned, grab it. It's all about you and that grace that you can get for yourself. That's not the phrasing he uses here. Basically, he's saying, be sure that no one among you fails to obtain it, fails to receive it. Be sure that no one is lacking grace in their lives. So I want to ask you as you're here this morning to assess where you are in your faith, in your life. Are you lacking grace? Are you finding it hard to press on in the faith, saturated in grace? Maybe you're like, Jeremy, I like to run. I just don't have the grace of God falling upon me, and I don't know why. Or maybe you're saying, you know what? I don't want it. I want to do it my way. I'm going to run with an umbrella so I won't get wet. Or maybe you're saying, hey, I want the grace of God to saturate me, but I don't really feel like splashing people because I like to run alone. I don't want to run with other people. Let me tell you, God has for us to press on in grace together. Like a group of people just running down Central Avenue in a rainstorm. 
Okay? And to obtain the grace of God does not mean you earn it. It means that you uh, receive the gift. And we need to ensure that no one among us is lacking grace. Because if you're lacking grace, I want to point you to Jesus so that you can obtain it. You can grasp it. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Look with me here at what we see the author tells us about grace today. First, he indicates to us the symptoms of being disconnected from grace. Like if there's no grace in your life, here's what you can expect. Bitterness, defilement, immorality, and trouble. Sounds like fun, right? Uh, Look at what the author says. In verse uh, 15... See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Like if you fail to, fail to receive, if you're lacking the grace of God, this is what happens. No root of bitterness, root of bitterness springs up among you, causes trouble. By it many become defiled. No one is sexual immorality or unholy. See, this is what happens when we are disconnected from the grace of God. Bitterness springs up within us. It, bitterness is an attitude. It's, it's about your affection. It's about what you feel you were owed, but you didn't get. It's saying, you know what? I thought I was going to get this, and I didn't get it, so I'm a little bitter now. Or, you know what? I wanted that, but he got it instead. You know what? That kind of ticks me off. What's he got that I don't got, right? And so what we see happens here is if we are disconnected from the grace of God, bitterness can spring up within us. It's not just a personal thing and an attitude or emotional thing. It is very much a relational thing. Because the author goes on to to encourage peace with everyone and holiness. Those Those are corporate things that happen together. So if bitterness is springing up within you because you're disconnected from the grace of God, it's a relational rift you have with God and with others. The phrase root of bitterness is actually a, a phrase that is, is a throwback to Deuteronomy 29. Right, we have to get it in context lest we read into it what it means. Root of bitterness is actually a, a phrase that kind of goes back to Deuteronomy that refers to walking in the stubbornness of your own heart. It's a phrase that's used to display God's people when they say, you know what, God freed us and is leading us to a land he promised us, but you know what, we don't want that land. I don't care that he freed us. I'd rather go back to Egypt where there was lots of food and at least we could hang out in the shade under a tree. It's being stubborn and not pressing on where God is leading you, not leaning into the grace that he has paved the way for you to run in. It is saying, I don't trust God and his plan anymore. I'd rather go back to the way things were. Even if they weren't great, at least they were okay. That's what the root of bitterness means at its core. It means a stubborn heart turning away from God and pride and self-reliance, turning away from God's other people and saying, I don't need y'all. You get in my way. That's what it means. So being disconnected from grace will cause a rift between you and God and you and God's people. It is an act of pride and stubbornness in the heart and self-reliance. So I want to ask you this, as you think about your life, are you connected to grace? Are you feeling the saturation of the grace of God upon your life? And if not, what is in the way? What is keeping you during a beautiful rain shower to get off your front porch and go running with other people? What is it? 
Is it pride saying, I don't want to get wet, I don't need that rain? Is it, is it pride saying, I don't need those other people to run with me? Is it, is it fear of like, look, I'm kind of afraid to get out there and step in puddles with other people. I'm afraid that maybe I don't run as fast as they do. Is it guilt saying, last time I went running, I tripped and skinned my knee and got hurt a little bit? What is it that keeps you from running in the grace of God? Because the symptoms of that grow in bitterness, which leads to defilement and trouble. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for us. I want us to enjoy running in the grace of God together. Because that's what God has for us. So you see, symptoms of being disconnected from grace can stem from doubts, fear, guilt, shame, pride, cultural hang-ups, relational frustration. What is it for you? Because I want us to see the good news in the gospel here. The good news is that the author tells us, he says very clearly, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. He says, he says look, be sure that no one's lacking in grace. That's what he says. If, if someone's lacking in grace, we need to address it. So see that no one is lacking in grace, that no one fails to obtain to receive the grace of God. How, how do we do that? What is the evidence of running in grace? I want us to not lack the grace of God. So what does it look like to run in the grace of God? He starts it in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Man, this is a really cool analogy. I'm not like a a physiological kind of guy, but I was like studying these uh, these two sentences, these two verses this week, trying to figure out what is he talking about? Because just a few verses before, uh, we talked about last week that, that the gospel is not do better, try harder. The gospel is not pick yourself up by your bootstraps, clean yourself up, behave, get smarter, get moral. That's not the gospel. That's not anywhere in scripture in a positive light. And that's not what he's saying here, because you look at it at first, it says, well, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your knees, make straight your paths. Doesn't that sound like straighten up a little bit? Let me tell you the phrases that are going on here. It's the imagery of running. This whole chapter is, is full of that imagery of running. We talked about how you know the original Olympics dudes were in togas. They would throw their togas down so they weren't encumbered. They could run faster, right? This is what the author is saying here. Verse 13 says, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Have you ever tried to run with an injury? I mean, it, it, it kind of hurts a little, doesn't it? I mean, if you fall and scrape your knee, you're kind of like, I, I'd rather just sit this one out, coach. Or if you kind of pull a hamstring or some other muscle that you have in your leg, it sometimes is, is kind of hard to get back up and run. You just say, I need to sit down. But you know what? Sometimes it is helpful to stretch it out and to run it out. Even if you have to run a little slower, even if you have to run with a little limp, it, sometimes it takes the act of running in grace to heal our, to get healed from the injuries of sin and brokenness from our past. Are you with me? If you have had some tragedy happened to you, if you have totally blown it morally, 
If you have had a season where you've had so much, you're like, I was raised in a Christian family and then in college, I threw my faith out the window. I just made wreck of my faith. I turned my back on my spiritual life. It's not too late. The answer is not get it together so that once you're all together, you can join the race of running in the rain. No, it is run in the rain with a limp. It is, if you sit on the sidelines, your lameness will be put out of joint. But the author tells us that pressing forward in grace means that you run so that your lameness will not be put out of joint, but rather be what, class? Healed. Healed. Like, you cannot heal your injuries. You cannot heal your brokenness. You cannot heal your sin. You cannot heal your struggles. What you can do is run in the reign of God's grace. And in so doing, that brings healing. Are you with me? There's a drastic difference. You can't forgive your own sin and clean yourself up and be smarter and more religious and more moral and then once you get all polished say I think I'll go running in the rain now with everybody else you have to say I am broken I am messed up I am limping I am lame but you know what God's word says that if I get my lame self out in the rain and run that God's grace will heal me that's what I want for you I mean, we are humans. We are prideful. We are stubborn. We just see here that, you know, we don't want a root of bitterness. We don't want stubbornness of our heart to disconnect us from God and God's people, do we? No. We need healing from that. And the only way that's possible is to run in the reign of God's grace together, all of us. And that's desperately important. The past several weeks, one of the biggest most pleasant surprises that was thrown in my lap uh, was I got to coach a four-year-old soccer team. Like, I show up, I was just taking my son, I was like, this will be great, let's take him, I'll be glad to help in any way. We show up the first day, and they're like, you know what, the other coach isn't here, so uh, you got a promotion, dude. <laughs> like, okay, have you seen me play any sport? I'm a musician. Everybody, let's sing. You know, it just doesn't work that way. We can write a song about soccer. Um, but it was one of the greatest joys of the past couple months is for, for me uh, to get to coach my son's four-year-old soccer team. I mean, I love these kids. Our last game's tomorrow. I'll probably cry. These kids are fantastic. We've had so much fun, you know, and I've learned, you know, it's a killer sport, first of all. It's like... It's the real football, you people out there. You say, college football, I don't know what that is, but soccer, that's, that's real football, right? But one of the things I've noticed is as I was studying this passage this week, I was thinking about what happened at our last soccer game. One of, one of our, our uh, players uh, was running, and she fell, and she skinned her knee to the point that her shin guard flew off, and she was crying, and she was sitting there. And I didn't run over to her, and none of the coaches or parents run over to a kid that's injured like that and says, Get up! You get yourself up, you clean yourself up, and you get back in the game. Not at all. Rather, it's a very gentle thing where even the opposing team stopped and we had players from the other team coming over to help her up and we had our team helping her up and parents and the other coach even came over and said, are you okay? Do you want to keep playing? Everybody stopped for a minute and said, hey, are you okay? We want to be sure that you're okay. We helped her up and we brushed her legs off and we said, if you want to play some more, you can play. 
you want to play? She was like, yeah, yeah, I want to play. I want to get back in the game. And then I said, well, keep your eye on the ball and go play the game. That is what the author is telling us in verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet. The author is not a drill sergeant saying, get it together. You better play harder. You better perform for us. Our team needs you. No. The author is addressing us like an injured four-year-old soccer player saying, look, stand up, keep your eye on the ball, and get back in the game. If you enjoy the game, get out there and play the game. And that's what I want for us because we see that if we keep our eye focused on Christ, if we get back in the game, if we get out and run in the rain with our fellow Christians, no matter how fast others may be running or how slow, some of you may have a limp, some of you are still injured, we run together in the rain of God's grace together, splashing each other all the way. And that brings healing. That's what scripture says. You don't do it alone. You don't do it in your own strength. You don't make the rain fall. You run in the rain that God pours out on us together. And I love how it lays out for us. So what would happen, Jeremy? I mean, if, we, if we're disconnected from grace, we see bitterness and trouble and strife. And if we're connected to grace, we see, uh, we see that we can get up and run straight paths and that our broken joints will be healed. So, so how, do we, how do we do that? What does that look like? Because that's what I want, right? That's what you want. It takes a little practice. Verse 14 Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Some good stuff there. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Two important things here. Peace and holiness. Two words that have been hijacked by religions and philosophies and political views and cultures with tie-dye and whatever else. Peace and holiness. At its basic core, biblically. Basic core. Let me just read the whole Bible and you'll read a lot about peace and holiness. The whole Bible is about God making peace with his wayward, rebellious people and telling them to make peace with each other. And it's about saying, as you do that, you will become holy because you are my holy people. I've set you apart for my holy purposes. That's the biblical. You just got to read the whole Bible to unpack that. But at its core, peace means a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. And holiness means uh, set apart for God's purposes, right? To be designated as holy to be used for holy purposes. Not just you're a holy thing, go over there, but rather you're, you're, you've been declared to be holy. I'm going to use you for holy purposes. And those purposes are peace between God and man and mankind with each other. Peace does not mean the absence of strife. We think that's what it means. Do we not? We think, I just want there to be peace. I don't want to argue. I don't want to disagree. I want everything just to be happy and just, yay. That's not peace. 
Because sometimes striving for peace with one another causes a little friction, does it not? Yeah, sure does. Come to church for like three months and you just tell me if someone or something doesn't rub you the wrong way at some point in time. It may be something like, I don't like that song. It may be, I can't believe I have to work nursery. These kids are... It may be, you know what, this dude in my missional community likes to argue or banter something. Or it may be, good grief, the preacher, when can somebody else preach, huh? It's fine. We're there. I I love you well enough to say, hey, I'll take it. It's cool. It may be, I'm so tired of the school. Or whatever. That does not mean there is a lack of peace. Actually, that striving can be used as an instrument to, to bring us together, like, like two things of, of friction being heated so that they melt together. I don't know what those two things would be, two crayons. I don't know. I didn't think about that analogy, but just two things that the friction happens. Was it welding? See, is welding? Welding's a good one, right? So if you're welding something, it gets really hot and, and it fuses together. And together that weld bond is much stronger than the two things separate. That should have consulted our welder for that one. We have a welder here, everybody. And see, this is what God has for us. So so track with me along the analogy that the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, look, God causes rain, the rain of his grace. He says, you, 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 I want you to run, not by yourself, not with an umbrella. I want you to run with other people, sans umbrella, to get soaking wet in my grace. And as you run, there's going to be a little friction with the people running next to you. But you know, that's for your good, that that striving for peace can cause a little friction. It could be hard. It could be a little work. But if, 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 if you keep your eyes on me, Jesus, if you keep your eyes on Jesus and you're running forward in the same direction together, there will be peace. There will be right relationship with God and right relationship with each other. As long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, the second you put your eyes on yourself, the root of bitterness may spring up. You may quit running with other people. You may quit running in the reign of God's grace. The second you put your eyes on somebody else, you may quit running with them. And the root of bitterness will spring up and you may become better against God and his church. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus and you run in the reign of his grace, we can run forward together, peace with a right relationship with God and a right relationship with others. Right? Right? That's a reflection of the gospel. It's, it's the reflection of the whole story of God coming to say, look, I'm going to make it hard on myself so that you can enjoy the benefits of a right relationship. That's the gospel. God makes it hard on himself so that you can enjoy the benefits of a relationship with him. That's good. But what else does this verse say? It says, strive for peace with everyone. I mean, this whole thing is about community. It's not about one person. That's what I like about it. Even the, even the whole statement, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. See to it that no one's lacking in grace means, hey, if you have grace and the guy sitting next to you is lacking in grace, let's work together on your buddy that needs some grace. Let's give him some grace, right? That's what, that's what he's saying, right? He's saying strive for peace with everyone. Here's the other one I want us to look at. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness is not about your performance to do things just so proper and right. That's not holiness. I don't know what that is. It's cool, but it's not holiness. Holiness means that God has identified you to be set apart for His purposes. 
there's an action that happens with that identity. It's something God does to you and for you. Not something you do to yourself or for yourself. It's something God does to you and for you. He says, you are holy for my holy purposes. It's what we see throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. God says, you are a holy people. You are my holy people. I've set you apart for purposes. What are those purposes? The purposes are to steward grace to others. Those purposes are to strive to bring peace to others. Those purposes are to strive to bring restoration. Those purposes are to say, look, this guy has hurt himself. Let's help him up so that he can run in the grace with us. It's saying, look, you on the sideline that are, that are hurting and sad or maybe just lazy or maybe just scared, come run with us in the rain. It's, it's beautiful. Just, I don't care that you can't run. Just come here. It's fine. Come here. You don't have to have shorts. You can run in jeans. Come here. Just get out there and run in the grace of God. Those are the holy purposes that God has for us together. This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 13, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. What? All of those things have to go together? Yes, they do. If you want the God of love and peace to be with you, you have to live in peace, agree with one another, comfort one another, aim for restoration, and rejoice. If we're lacking any of those things, we're not running in the reign of God's grace. So I want to ask you this. What does peace and holiness look like in your life personally? Are you saying, Jeremy, there's no peace in my life. My life is in turmoil. I don't feel right with God. I have doubts. I have fears. I have frustrations. Man, it's cool. Bring your frustrations to the Lord. You can cry out to the Lord and say, God, the church has burned me. I'm sorry the church burned you. That does not change God's goodness. Okay? There are 5,000 churches in this. There are more churches than people in this city. And some of them, most of you, if you've been in this town long enough, maybe you've come from another church and maybe they hurt you and maybe they burned you. I am so sorry. God is still good. Maybe you had a religious upbringing and you had some mean teacher at some Christian school or whatever. And maybe you, you watch the news and the Christians on TV are just total embarrassments to the faith. I'm sorry. That does not change that God is still good. God is still gracious. God is still raining His grace on His people despite the loony people on TV and despite the mean person that was in your Christian school class and despite the church that maybe blew it. I'm so sorry. But God is still good. And God is still raining His grace on His people. And if you are a Christian, God has set you apart for his holy purposes. And so I want to ask you, what does peace look like in your life? If you do not have peace, you cannot strive for peace on your own. You have to strive for peace in the grace of God with others. Does that make sense? I mean, if you want a right relationship with God, you have to do it in the reign of God's grace. You can't do it over here. You can't say, well, I can run a different direction on a sunny day. No, you can't. If you want right relationship with God, if you want true peace with God, you run in the reign of His grace. Period. That's it. That is the way. The way. You will never have peace with God, no matter how religious, spiritual, cool, hip, candles, whatever. You will never have peace with God unless you are running in the reign of His grace. Period. I will die on that hill, probably will. 
That is the truth of the gospel. I don't want you to do better and try harder. I don't want you to find some hip new way to connect to your spiritual whatever. I want you to run in the reign of God's grace. It's beautiful. It's refreshing. And if you don't have peace with God, just run in the reign of His grace. Please. Maybe you do not have peace in your life with others. So, so assess your personal peace with God. Assess your relational peace with others. Maybe you're like, man, I just, I'm hard to get along with. I don't like hanging out with myself sometimes. Maybe you do not have relational peace with a family member. Maybe you do not have relational peace with someone in this room. Maybe there are brothers and sisters in the faith that you don't have relational peace with. Scripture says to strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness. Right? Those two things go together. If you want to strive for peace with God and strive for peace with others and the holiness, you can't be holy and not be at peace. I've seen people try. I've been wounded by friends that for the sake of their holiness seek to just doom my family. How is what peace and holiness? They go together here. So what does peace look like for you? Relation? I'm worked up. Shouldn't have had that second cup of coffee. If you have lack of peace with a fellow believer, let me strongly encourage you to pursue peace with them. I mean, just exhaust yourself. And if they choose to not be at peace with you, and you've done your part before the Lord, walk away and you be at peace. You be at peace. But if there's something between you and a family member or someone in this room or another believer somewhere, let me just... If we want to run in the reign of God's grace together, we have to strive to be at peace. There'll be friction. It'll be hard maybe, but just let's work it out together. Okay, is that cool? To piggyback off of that, because Scripture says striving to live at peace with everyone and for the holiness, those things go together. Holiness means to be set apart for holy purposes, right? God has a holy purpose for us together. Okay, we can't fulfill that purpose together if we are not at peace with one another. Those things go together. We can, and that, I'll be honest with you, man, when people find out I'm a pastor, I was in Atlanta yesterday for something, and people are like, oh, you're a pastor? Cool. Well, I used to go to church until blah, 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 blah. And half the time, they weren't even the ones hurt by the church or by a believer. They just witnessed believers being stupid and not being at peace with one another and said, I don't want that, man. I would rather go over here because these people at least are nice. Um, but the Christian community, all they do is fight. Right? That came up in a conversation yesterday, and I said, well, you know, I, that's one in a nicer, I didn't preach at them, but I said, you know, it doesn't change the goodness of God to you. I'm sorry those people were acting like fools, but God is still good. So I would say that for you as well. Personally, Recognizing that you are part of a community that has been set apart for God's purpose and mission together. What does that look like in your life? Holiness uh, has out... I mean, the Bible is full of this. I'm not saying throw away your morals. I'm not saying throw away your theology or throw away your good traditions. Those things are really good. I actually like traditions. I actually like cool cultural things. I actually, uh, I'm a big fan of being moral. (laughs) 
Um, but those things have to come as a reflection of grace-saturated holiness. Are you with me? Because if you, if you honor traditions and, and cultural things and religion and morals without the grace of the gospel, then it's just religion. And I don't want that for you. And it's not really that helpful to anybody. Uh, but if you say, look, because of the grace of the gospel, I'm going to have morals and pursue theological intellect and try to have relational this, and I'm going to practice this kind of tradition thing that's beautiful that is beautiful and you know in this room it is like super duper diverse that's what I like about our church we're not a huge church but we are very diverse and it's beautiful man and so much as what you do is a reflection of the grace of the gospel man do it I mean some of you guys like really structured uh, prayer time and Bible study some of you are just like man I'm just going to go run in the park and you know sing some new song about Jesus that's beautiful man that's beautiful and so much as you're running in the reign of God's grace, I'm a big fan. So at the end, I'll say this. I've kind of gotten on... <clears throat> even my tangents have tangents now, so I need to kind of wrap it up here. What I want us to see as you look at this passage, I encourage you to study this passage this week because I want you to personally and communally assess the, the dire effects of being disconnected from grace. Personally, if you're disconnected from grace and as a corporate community, if we are strained from the grace of God, it says that it brings trouble and strife and um, bitterness and defilement. Don't want that for us. I don't want that for us. But running in the reign of God's grace uh, means that as we run, as we run on straight paths, and in the reign of God's grace, our lameness may be healed. We will strive for peace. We will strive for holiness together, all of us together. If someone is lacking grace, we give them grace. That, I mean, that verse, man, that is the key verse for this little paragraph. If someone is lacking grace, give them grace. They, they need grace. We don't want people to not have grace. So we've got to give people grace. That's part of our mission together. So as a response, I want us to think about these things. Assess where you are on the running in the reign of God's grace spectrum. Maybe you're not running because you're angry, and maybe you're bitter, maybe you're injured, maybe somebody injured you, and it's not your fault. Maybe, some, maybe a church person really did wrong you. Maybe a church you came from really blew it. I'm, I'm really sorry. But God is still good, and He's still raining His grace upon you so that you can run in it, and in the running, heal your lame and broken joints as we run together. And in so doing, we'll strive to be at peace, and we will be pursuing holiness, uh, becoming the people God has us to be, which is a bunch of fast, fit, wet runners. And that's what I want for us. So how do we do that? First, I want us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Chapter 12 opens with that. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. If we miss that, we miss it all. Don't look at the church. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at anybody else. Look at Jesus, and let's run together. Is that cool? Let's run together. Second, we need to repent. Not just first one-time repentance, but ongoing repentance. We see that in verse 17. It actually says, For you know that afterward, he's talking about Esau, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent. Right? Read the story of Esau, and it's really sad what happens to him. There's rift between brothers and father, and 
bad decision making for food. It's just not good. Repentance is, is the mark of a Christian. Like one-time repentance, but also ongoing repentance. We talk about it here a lot, and I want us not just to talk about it and think about it. Well, in Hebrew, what, let's just do it. And we can talk about the linguistics later, but let's just do it. Repentance means to turn from something, turning to something else. That means saying, I, I'm, I did this last time. We're going to go this way because this is where the communion table is. I, I did it backwards last time. So we're going to turn from something to turn to something else. We're going to turn from sin, from death, from pride, from fear, from guilt, from shame, from defilement, from trouble, from bitterness. We're going to turn from it and turn to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we're going to run headstrong in the rain, grabbing people along the way and splashing in the puddles. Who's with me? You're with me? Let's do that. Let me pray. Father God in heaven, thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, God, I, I thank you for the gift of your scriptures that is uh, slap full of stories of your grace, truths of your grace, God, your doctrine, your theology, but God, also uh, relational stories and practical things that we are to do because of your grace. And God, I pray that you would give us humility and discernment to see the difference. God, to see that, that you have set us apart to be holy people for holy purposes and that that holiness is something you do and you bestow and you do so through the means of running, of our running in the reign of your grace. God, help us not be lazy Christians. Help us not be uh, prideful Christians. Lord, help us to be humble and energetically passionate Christians. God, help us not run alone. Help us run with others. God, as we run with others, if there's friction, God, I pray that we would strive for peace. And in that peace, we would become holy people together. And God, as we see those who fall and get injured, we would stop. And, and if they're lacking grace, God, that we would help uh, lift them up to your grace so that we could run with them. God, if we see people on the sidelines who have been hurt who have been burned by the church, God, I pray that, that, that we would be gracious. And God, that we are, we are faulty people, man. We drop the ball. But God, I thank you that in the reign of your grace, you pull us through. So God, I pray that you would help us press on life in grace together. God, I ask that you would do this for your glory and our joy. And that the good news of Jesus would ripple to the nations. We ask this in Christ's good and holy name. Amen. Amen.